You are listening to episode 65 of the Tennis Files podcast with special guest Dennis Kudla. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. I'm really happy to have Dennis Kudla on the show today. He's uh, ranked number 73 in the world at the moment, and he was kind enough to speak with me uh, while preparing for the U.S. Open. Uh, he actually played his first round match at the time of recording this intro and won against uh, Berrettini. So that was really awesome to see. And I uh, just love interviewing. Uh, really a great guy um, who I actually met at the City Open uh, this past August. And I was able to interview Dennis and uh, Francis TFO after one of their doubles matches. And then I actually asked uh, Dennis if he'd be interested in being on the podcast. And, uh, you know, he's a really nice guy and he said he would. And uh, he was super responsive when I DM'd him on Instagram and uh, really appreciate Dennis coming on to the podcast. And I'm really excited to bring this interview to you all to kind of get a glimpse into the career of Dennis, uh, his upbringing in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, uh, which is where I'm from as well. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. And without further ado, here is my interview with Dennis Kudla. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 65 of the Tennis Files podcast. It's really an honor to have ATP Pro and proud DMVer Dennis Kudla on the show today. Dennis, I really appreciate you uh, coming on. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it for having me. Oh, no problem. And for those of you who don't know what DMV means, it's DC, Maryland, Virginia. Dennis doesn't work for the Department <laughs> of Motor Vehicles, so I just want to clear that up. <laughs> um, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, but yeah, just a little bit of background uh, on Dennis. Dennis is currently number 73 in the world on the ATP Tour in singles, and he trained at the Junior Tennis Champion Center here in Maryland, which is uh, you know where I live, and he's earned over $2 million in prize money in his career. Uh, he's 26, and he was actually born in Kiev, Ukraine, and currently lives in Arlington, Virginia. Um, so, Dennis, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning, you're in New York, I believe. And so, how has the training and preparation for the Open been going for you so far? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, you know, training before grand slam is always important to kind of get um, a good week or two of matches and getting the body body right and mind right for the last slam of the year, especially. And also just being kind of in New York City, it's always a lot, a lot of distractions that could happen. So have to, you know, get your mind, uh, into the best possible mindset for the U.S. Open. But the training's been going well. I was in Vermont the week before, uh, played an exhibition event out there, qualified in Cincinnati and kind of gave myself a couple of days, you know, just getting here and getting used to the courts, the environment. Um, getting situated with my team, 
make sure you know the tennis is in the right place, mind's in the right place, the body's feeling good. So I'm uh, I'm excited for the US Open, ready to get started on Monday. Awesome, Dennis. That's fantastic. And so you mentioned the Stowe Tennis Tournament in, in Vermont, um, and you obviously won that. But more importantly, I saw on IG, Instagram, that you were playing golf. So yeah. how, how did that go for you? <laughs> yeah, my golf game is nowhere close to my tennis game. <laughs> but um, I enjoy golf a lot. It's one of the most beautiful courses I've ever played on. And probably the hardest course I'll ever play on. It's super narrow. and just, You can't miss anywhere. So it was uh, it was pretty tough, but I, I enjoyed myself. One of the more scenic courses out there. Every every hole, I felt like I was taking a picture. Um, but yeah, that, that was another way to kind of uh, keep myself relaxed, but uh, doing some fun activities at the same time. That's yeah, awesome, man. And so, speaking of golf and tennis, I mean, do you see any similarities that you apply from one sport to the other between those two? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're a competitive person it's gonna be in doing everything you do almost uh so I'm, I'm definitely competitive out there but it sucks kind of being the worst guy on the course and you're playing with guys who are good uh but you know i'm always trying to improve my score you know just kind of the mentality of being patient uh I mean, golf is a little bit different than tennis because there's not much of a physical aspect to it but you know the mind the mind is definitely tested so I guess I use it in that way. But at the same time, when I'm playing golf, I'm not really trying to use it as anything to help my tennis game. It's more I just enjoy it. It's something fun to do off court. And uh, it's just fun to hang out with friends that way. Sure. That definitely makes a lot of sense, Dennis. And so it's obviously been a hell of a sports year for you in terms of your teams winning everything, at least for the yeah. Eagles and the Caps. Uh, you know, when I saw yeah. you in, in DC and interviewed you, which, which I really appreciate again, you know, you had a Caps uh, <laughs> shirt on. So how's this year been for you in terms of that? Yeah, I know it's been incredible to be, uh, I feel like I'm on top of the world as a sports fan with two of my teams winning championships. So, um, <laughs> really never had a team win a championship at all so I have two of them in one year it's awesome uh, I was hoping that the Nationals can maybe bring a third one but uh, right now it's looking uh, not so great to maybe not to make the playoffs so that could that could end the incredible year but you know it, it's it's just fun to kind of support a team that's doing so well and have some crazy stories I mean uh, what the Caps did for the city was incredible and I wish I was there but I had a lot of friends who were there and were sending me videos and how crazy the after party was. But I definitely saved myself. Uh, <laughs> probably a horrendous hangover. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, it was good to be able to watch that and uh, be part of it. And I'm proud to be a Caps fan for sure. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed it being here in Maryland, kind of hanging out in Bethesda. They set up a bunch of huge TVs, so that was really great. And I know that you stayed up late to watch the Caps games. So, do you have any like funny stories or memories from from watching or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, everyone thought I was crazy for staying up <laughs> to watch these games. One in the morning before, I remember when they were winning. I Facetime my brother at four in the morning. Damn. Kind of just yelling, screaming, wow, and I was FaceTiming some of my other friends who were in Chinatown outside of the stadium. Uh, and it was just one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I mean, when they when they won it, uh, unfortunately lost the next day. But it was an absolute battle of a match with Shardy. And I mean, I was obviously upset that I lost such a heartbreak. It was the same time, you know, my team just won a championship. The DC drought was over. The finally see a championship in that city while I'm alive. Wasn't sure it was ever going to happen. 
but uh yeah that's probably the craziest thing that happened so not, not nothing nothing too wild unfortunately Oh, that's cool. I mean, that sounds, still sounds like an amazing experience. Uh, so in terms of tennis, you know, I just want to circle back to kind of your first memory of actually hitting a tennis ball. So can you kind of, if you can remember, can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, I started tennis when I was seven. Uh, my dad was teaching my brother who's five years older than me. So it was an accident that I was starting. Uh, but it was, I just happened to be at the right age, which most tennis players typically start. And as a guy at a park, I remember also seeing me play and just said I had great hand-eye coordination. I should be put into a club. And my dad just put me into uh, a club first in Burke, Mountain, Burke, Virginia, and then went to College Park when I was eight years old. You know, just just hitting at that park. I remember just running running around. I had two hands on both sides, and I just I just loved to compete and I was pretty hyper kid and I still am but it was uh it was literally the perfect sport for me I definitely feel like if I wasn't able to take that energy into a sport I probably would find myself getting in trouble somehow but (laughs) yeah I ended up going to a um kind of great thing yeah, it's, it's awesome, uh, Dennis. And so JTCC, I mean, I played there myself, some awesome instructors. I got one lesson from VESA one time, and I think I almost died. Um, it's really strict. <laughs> but, uh, and, and so kind of, I know you were young, but how did you and your parents decide to transition you to JTCC? Well, we just had one of the first coaches who were there, was there, um, Sergey. you know, he kind of invited us out. They had these like tryout camps and you know, I went there, and this is when JTCC used to be a lot smaller than it is now. Um, it was just discovered, and I was able to get a scholarship and went there, and uh, it was just convenient. You know, I was only 40 minutes away, so I was able to spend my afternoons there first, and then eventually I went into the homeschooling program there, and I was just spending my whole day there, and uh, it just turned into be something I loved. I couldn't wait to be there. I never wanted to leave. It was all going towards you know, bettering my tennis game, uh, but I had no, no intention of going pro until later on. I just wanted to be around tennis 24-7, and that was, uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And I, it was all, all luck, really. None of this was planned. My, my parents aren't really, were never really involved in my tennis at all. They were just kind of trusting my word, and they're like, okay, he's having fun, we'll just put him there. And, uh, being kind of connected, uh, and, led me to where I am today for sure. That's awesome. And, and you know, as as a teenager and kid, you know, I mean obviously like like you mentioned, we, we all have distractions and I mean how were you able to just focus so intently on tennis and become a, an incredible player like that, like you are today? You're saying focusing when I was younger or now? Well especially when you were younger. Yeah, when I was younger, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I was, again, I just had so much love for it. I feel like you have to have an obsession almost over something to be really good at it, especially at a high level. Um, and I was, I was obsessed. That's all I did. I watched tennis. I played tennis. That's all I would read about. Um, and, you know, just watching a sport is going to make you better at it for sure. So I was just completely obsessed. And I think that was, that made the focus not something that was challenging for me, but, easy as i've gotten older you know it's a little bit a little bit tougher of a game than when you're a junior but uh you know i've always had the dedication of you know i've always enjoyed working hard and 
you know, you have your ups and downs in the sport, but right now everything is in the right spot and I'm motivated and uh, that's definitely the most important thing. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Uh, very important stuff in there. And and so, obviously, you trained with in JTCC with some of the greatest coaches in the country, and also players. If you can remember, can you tell us some of the most important changes that you made in your game as a junior, whether it technically, strategically, or anything like that that you made that really catapulted your game? Yeah, I mean, for me, I was fitness was always a big part of my game especially when I was around 13, 14, we really put extra focus on it. Uh, my back end has always been my strength, which has been supernatural for me. I've, I've, no one's ever taught me that really. Uh, just I manage it. And uh, just, I mean, fitness was everything for me. If I, if I didn't pay attention to it at such a young age, I don't know if I would be where I am today uh, just because I'm not one of the biggest guys. So, and you know, my forehand serve when I was younger weren't much of a threat. So uh, just relying on a backhand and, and no speed or no strength would have been pretty tough to win matches at a, <laughs> at a professional level. So those those are some key things. Um, and just kind of having a good relationship with the coaches. Uh, Frank Salazar was my, my coach for 10 years. He was like a second dad. And he just kept me kept me in the right, you know, kind of the right wave. And, and, you know, keeping me out of trouble and also understanding the balance of life. Everything just connected and it was like a big family there too. So everything just was pretty much perfect. And JTTC definitely gave me that and, I, and I'm forever grateful for sure. Fantastic. And so was there anything like, you know, maybe a quote or, or any like piece of advice that Frank told you that you kind of, that that's always in your mind or that you remember from time to time or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge slogan for them still now, you know, trust your training. So it's something that they've always preached and they still do. And that's that's where you start to win matches is when you're working hard in practice on the practice courts in the gym and no one's watching. So that's something I've always, uh, I've always kept with me and uh, I think it's super important. Fantastic. And so, Dennis, you, you mentioned that you were homeschooled at JTCC, and I was curious if you could give us like a, a little glimpse into what homeschooling is like at a at a great tennis facility like like JTCC, like maybe the structure, classes, hours of work, like any of those things. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what the structure is now, but I don't know when I was doing it. Uh, you know, we did it through Laurel Springs was the was the program, and we would you know, show up and uh, go to go to class from 8 to 10. We would go to practice 10 to 12. We'd have 30 minutes for lunch, 12 to 12.30. Um, and then we would go back to class 12.30 to 2. Uh, we'd go practice 2 to 4. And then we'd have fitness from about 4 to 5.30, 5 to 5.30. And then uh, at home, I would take the metro home, and I'd be home at 7.30 doing homework. But... Um, yeah, the system was incredible. They brought in some teachers from from you know local schools in the area, and they cared. Uh, one of the teachers is still there today, which is crazy. <laughs> but uh, you know, it just shows how much they're involved with the program and how much they believe in the system. It's definitely the only way I feel like I would be able to finish school and have my love for tennis uh, kind of fulfilled. And that was. I was saying KTCC did perfect. And all the other guys that I went to school with, if they didn't go pro, they were in top Division One schools. 
playing for top 10 in the country, teams, winning national championships. So, you know, it's, they were still succeeding in everything. And it was, uh, it was just kind of a great uh, route towards college or pro. Needed it. Love tennis. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Yeah, fantastic uh, atmosphere for you for sure and very motivating. And I've had a junior or on the podcast and I know you're obviously close with Francis TFO, but which guys did you grow up with and train with the most at uh, JDCC? Yeah, me, Junior Orr, and Mitchell Frank were kind of like three guys uh, that were at the top. I think at one point we were three, five, and like 10 in the world. Uh, so it's pretty crazy to have three at the top 10 guys, juniors in the world, all in the same club in Maryland. It was definitely a pretty uh, special group we had. We were all super competitive, but pretty friendly. Uh, pushed each other, and without them, I don't think I'd be as good as I was, and I'm pretty sure they would say the same. You know, it, with those guys, and there were so many other players that kind of went to just regular schools, and we weren't big names at all, but were a big part of my development just because they pushed me. Uh, might have been guys who are three, four years older than me that weren't that great, but were just at the perfect level for me at the time. Uh, could push me in fitness because they were four years older and I, I couldn't catch them, but I, we were so competitive. It, it forced me to work harder and harder and harder. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty special group we had. And when you're training with people who are such a uh, high level like that, I mean, did you ever go out there and like have any sort of like doubts or fears in your head? Like, oh man, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I can beat this guy today. And like, if so, did, how, how are you able to overcome that? Cause I know that's, that's how a lot of people feel sometimes when they have to step on the court. Yeah, I had my doubts, but you know, I always, I just had good mentors that were able to help me find ways out of that and, and then allowing yourself to believe in every situation, focusing on yourself, you know, learning to problem solve, and really just digging in into the person's mind to really see how bad they want it. You know, I feel like everyone's got doubts at some point, but I was able to overcome them. You know, going pro, that was, and I regretted that for two years from 16, 18, but then I was able to make it top 100, 19. So that, uh, you know, made my decision all worth it. Uh, so it was, it's always part of it, but, um, you know, I'm glad I was able to come out on, on the positive side. Yeah, for sure, Dennis. And I, I know, uh, in listening to your, uh, interview on cracked, uh, interviews podcast that you were highly considering going yeah. to UVA and you also like really loved USC at the time. But so what, uh, ultimately made you decide to turn pro versus going to college? Cause I know that must have not been an easy decision. Yeah, I mean, I picked. I, mean, I definitely wanted to go to college at first. I wanted to go to USC. I was really good friends with uh, Raymond Sarmiento and JT Sudling. Uh, UVA would have been something incredible to go to. It's definitely where I would have gone now that I know everything. But, you know, just going pro is the right time. 
right place, right time. I had an opportunity, I had a contract, I won an Orange Bowl. A lot of people believed in me, I had resources from USDA. I had everything I needed to become a top pro. It was all just how bad did I want it. And so decided to do it and uh, it's definitely led me to, you know, definitely a roller coaster of career, some ups and downs, but more ups than downs, which is important. But um, now I, I definitely don't regret it at all. I'm doing a lot yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, top runner in the world is this incredible achievement. I know you'll go to even greater heights. Um, and so you talked about obviously a lot of ups and downs in your career. And, you know, this question, I think, really helps a lot of players uh, relating and also um, helping them improve and get out of ruts. But what's been the lowest point in your pro career and how have you been able to bounce back from it? Yeah, I would say the lowest point was probably last year. Um, I was just had one of the worst years uh, in my career, just moving backwards. Was losing to everybody. Uh, dropped down from 130 to 200. The first time I was in the 200 since I was 18. It was tough. Uh, I had no motivation. Never wanted to practice and train. Uh, and then yeah, lost a couple of matches. Ended up quitting. Uh, in my mind, or taking a break, uh, and luckily the only lot. And I said I wasn't going to play a match until you know I wanted. I felt like I wanted to be out there and I wanted to do all the work that it took. And luckily, it only lasted a couple couple weeks. Uh, and then right after that, I was able to make some coaching changes and worked with Dustin Taylor and definitely helped me big time. Gave my mind right, which allowed me to you know focus on everything in my, you know, in my life that was make my tennis career more positive and, and, and worthwhile. So it was a tough process. It was definitely something that sucked out to hit rock bottom. And we're now that's led me into one of the best years of my career for sure. Going from 230 to 70 in eight months. Yeah, it's, it's pretty special <laughs> how it's all happened and turned around. It sucked that it had to start from rock bottom, but Sometimes you have to uh, get to that point in order to find uh, positive things, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Just a heck of a bounce back. And I mean, were you able to kind of pinpoint? Because I'm sure you took like a really hard look at 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 the past, uh, you know, last year. And 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 I'm wondering, like, if you were able to pinpoint, like, why you uh, hit uh, your lowest point. Uh, I just hit. It. I was doing everything wrong. And when you do things wrong on and off the court. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, everything just goes wrong as well. I can't expect to do everything wrong and win matches. And that's what I was hoping for. And I knew deep down that I was, I was doing the wrong things, but I just didn't feel like changing my way. That's pretty stubborn. And sometimes, yeah, you just gotta look yourself in the mirror and, you know, get out of it somehow. Uh, but, you know, just getting out of it is, is, it's always pretty tough and getting to that point. Usually doesn't happen just kind of overnight. It's 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 a long progression of wrong of wrong things. So it was like a year and a half process. Yeah. I'm just doing things awful, <laughs> and then uh, sat myself down, sat with my team, just made sure that everyone was going to hold me accountable, that I was going to do things right, that I was going to bust my ass every day. So that's what we did, and and I've I've kept my part, and it's led me to exactly where a lot of people believe that I should be, and I believe that I should be. 
I love that, Dennis. And and so obviously you've played like all levels of of the tour. And so in your mind, what are some of the main differences between players on the Challenger Tour and then those on the ATP Tour level uh, tournaments? Yeah, I mean, there's not such a big difference between Challenger guys and ATP guys. It's all it is is just consistency, and and the top guys are just more. You know, they, they deliver in more clutch moments. Uh, I mean, the tennis is there; they're mentally stronger, and, and that's kind of where the game leads to. It's it's such game of inches, uh, even centimeters, and uh, it's all about doing things right from day to day and just hoping that in those times where you got to come up with something that's on the line at a big point at the thread and needle that, you know, you, you've done everything you could in your training to allow you to have better odds to make that and, and outwork guys. And, and there's plenty of different ways to win. It's not just one. That's the beauty of our sport. But, uh, you know, I found my way and, and a lot of guys have found theirs who are at the top level. And it's, uh, definitely shows and, and especially in the big events like the USO. Yeah, for sure. It's awesome, uh, Dennis. And and so obviously we're we're all very interested in the audience in you know high performers and what, what they do that makes them such uh, such great athletes. And so I wanted to ask you, do you have a morning routine or a, a night routine that you generally tend to stick to? I mean, a routine for me, I don't have anything specific. I'm not the most superstitious guy in that way. Uh, I do believe in just discipline, uh, but anything specific? No, not really. I change things up based on where I'm, you know, where I am that week. Usually, just kind of getting up early. I, I like to wake up around seven, six thirty, kind of get my mind, body in the right position. You know, walk around, have the breakfast, and then, uh, find a way to get into a gym. You know, get the body moving, and then uh, you know, just practice. But I feel like it's and also practice like tennis. We never know when we're going to play. Some matches we're going to play at 11. Some matches we're going to play at 10 o'clock at night. So, you know, you have to almost uh, create different routines because if you're so set in, in one routine, it's not like basketball where you know, or football, like you know exact times you're going to play. Uh, we don't have that. We don't have that uh, luxury. So uh, it's important to know how to adapt to crazy times and, and uh, learn to adjust. Yeah, great points, Dennis. And I, I'm going to obviously want to respect your time. I'm just going to sneak in a couple questions if that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you're huge on fitness and you mentioned on the Cracked Interviews podcast that after the, the team match, you promised yourself that you'd never lose a match because of fitness again. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, at that point, like, what did you change in your fitness training after that match? Yeah, I mean, with my fitness training, it's, just been with getting myself <laughs> to become the biggest beast possible. Uh, you know, for me, I felt like I was overweight when I was when I was down to uh, 200. So it was dropping that weight and, and making sure it was the right muscles that were being worked. And then my car, obviously, cardio was super important. So getting that up there uh, and just having a overall balanced body for tennis and, and making sure I was eating right. Um, I wasn't putting crap into my body. Um, you know, just listening and being super disciplined with working out on the road and doing all that stuff. So that was, uh, those are some big keys for sure. Gotcha, Dennis. And, and when you are on the, in the off season, I'm just curious about like the kind of the general breakdown in days between, uh, like weights and speed agility. I'm curious, like how you separate those or how many days a week you do that. 
Yeah, I mean, it changes. It's, it's pretty balanced, you know, to it's every other day. You know, it's always changing up, but in the off-season, it can be every day because that's your time to kind of work. But every off-season is different. You never know what injuries you have or, you know, what kind of year you've had. You kind of have to adjust in that way. But, uh, you know, the last one that's worked, it, it was just kind of ball football and everything. So it was definitely an, an important one. And, uh, yeah, you just kind of have to adjust. Same thing as kind of scheduling. Gotcha, Dennis. And so last question for you, uh, one of my favorites. I just want to to ask you um, for one key tip that you could give our audience to help them improve their tennis games. Yeah, to improve the tennis game for me is uh, keeping simple. Don't don't overcomplicate anything. Um, I mean, tennis can be played in so many different ways, as you can tell from all the different stroke types, different game styles of guys who are on the top. Uh, I mean, timing is number one. Gotta gotta have that timing, but you need to enjoy it in order to succeed. You got to enjoy what you do. So always find a way to keep yourself happy, you know, and if anything, it was technical or stop, it just keep rising the ball. It's that simple. <laughs> keep your body control. We're probably one of the biggest tips to have for uh, people in tennis when it comes to something technical like that. Awesome, Dennis. Well, I really do appreciate you coming on Tennis Files podcast, especially, I mean, you have the, like I said, the U S open uh, pretty much right now. All of DMV is very proud of you, and we wish you the best of luck in the U.S. Open and moving forward, and I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. I really hope you enjoyed my interview with Dennis Kudla, and uh, shout out to Dennis. I really appreciate you coming on, and it was really a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, Definitely a really cool guy and very easy to root for a player like Dennis. And if you want to check out any of the links that we may have mentioned on the show, you can go to tennisfiles.com slash 65. And I'd also really appreciate it if you all would subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast, and you can do that in your favorite podcast app. There's more than likely just a subscribe button if you search for the Tennis Files podcast. And uh, I also love to leave you all with a quote, as I often do at the end of the show, and the one today is by Albert Einstein. I hope you enjoyed that pronunciation. And he said, a person who never made a mistake, never tried anything new. Really love that quote. Uh, Best of luck to everybody competing in the U.S. Open, especially Dennis. People who come on the show usually end up doing really well afterwards. So I'm feeling that with Dennis as well. So uh, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Tennis Files podcast, and we'll see you on the next one. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.